We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, where we the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. Episode 70 with Dan Hilton, myself, and Frances Tomas, as we've been with you every step of the way. Thanks again for tuning in. If you can tap on your app and check out the show notes to leave a review wherever you're listening, and you can find us on social media too, on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13, and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Again, check out the show notes for all that, plus a few more goodies. Today's show, we also want to thank, as always, our Patreons for helping us continue to make two shows a week. You can help us out on patreon.com backslash the Barcelona podcast or tbpod.link backslash Patreon. So while Frances was going to have a special guest for the second half of our show for La Ronda, again, someone we've interviewed before who's returning to help him out with that. First, Frances, we have to answer a question of La Grande Pergunta that, of course, while it's not going to be necessarily about the Champions League match against Chelsea yesterday, which, again, if you've been under a rock for the last 48 hours, it's a 3 nothing win, two goals from Messi, one from Dembele, but it's more about the big picture of the Champions League, right? It absolutely is. Um, I think, and I've said in the podcast before, we don't really do Messi justice, so we thought that today we're going to talk Messi and we're going to talk Messi for a long, long time and in, in a lot of depth and it's going to be very current and hopefully that is something that you're going to enjoy. The, la gran pregunta today is, will Messi lead Barcelona to the Champions League trophy this season? The Barcelona Podcast 70 starts right here. And the one caveat we want to be upfront and honest about from the beginning is that, of course, we're recording this before the Champions League draw has come out. So basically, we're doing this under the assumption that we're... Again, not knowing who our opponent is, so we're not previewing the next matchup, but we're going to be previewing any potential matchups going through the rest of this tournament and what Messi and Barcelona are going to do. Because when you look at the way Barcelona play, Frances, especially the way they're playing with Messi as the focal point this season, obviously as he's been throughout the last decade plus, but the way they're playing is not going to change based on opponent. That's what we've seen, whether it's against Real Madrid and El Clasico, against Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, regardless of opponent, Barcelona have not deviated from the system that Valverde has put into place. So I think the opponent doesn't truly matter in terms of the way that Barcelona is going to attack and game plan for any round moving forward in the Champions League competition. What will change, however, of course, is the level of competition that the opponent is going to be. And the way I look at it this year, people are saying that 
Barcelona haven't been convincing enough and they haven't really been that dominating force in possession. They haven't been that dominating force that we've seen where they've completely put teams in the Champions League at least away and 3-0 against Chelsea winning winning 4-1 on aggregate. That may not be a, a wowing and dominating performance, but still you beat a, a team from the Premier League by a hefty margin. And I think, unfortunately, what it is is that kool and everyone else are comparing Barcelona not looking like they're dominating selves to Man City, who really have dominated in every competition and are crushing the Premier League. You have Real Madrid, who pretty handily on a global stage dominated PSG. And then the likes of Bayern Munich and Juventus are also rounding into form. Juventus slipping by Tottenham in this last round. And yet, Barcelona is not out of any competition. They still should be the Liga champions. They still are alive in Copa del Rey for the final against Sevilla next month. And again, they got through pretty handily at the end of the day with a dominating second leg performance against Chelsea. And yet Barcelona are still the team that seem to be third or fourth or fifth on people's ledger It's in terms of teams that could win the Champions League. I'm perfectly fine with that, to be honest. Um, I don't really care what people think. I don't really... I'm not going to bet on anything, so it doesn't matter whether they're second, third or 17th favourites. Um, all I care about is that our team has qualified for the next round of the Champions League, which is the quarterfinals for the 11th consecutive season. I am delighted to say that Valverde has led Barca to the best ever unbeaten start in La Liga, but also in the Champions League. And also, we've got the best player ever playing for us. Um, he's a player that started with us throughout the youth system and he's still with us 15 years after his debut, and he's not really going to go anywhere else. And um, it was obvious after the game yesterday, um, Conte was talking to him on the pitch, and basically he was congratulating him on his performance, saying, Leo, you really are the best player ever, and uh, it, it is annoying not being in your team, not being able to manage you, but what you are doing really is remarkable. And then in the press conference, Conte, obviously the Chelsea manager, went on to say that, there's not really any way that Messi will ever leave Barca, so they're not ever going to make an offer for him because they know full well he's not going He's not going anywhere. Now, how lucky are we? We've got the best player to ever play football in history, and other teams that could potentially lure him away are not even trying because he loves the team so much. Like In 10 years' time, we're going to look back at this era and we're going to be missing it like crazy. You know, like, obviously... Iniesta seems to be on his way out and we'll talk about that in the second part of the show today but I really cannot imagine Barca without Messi right now and and when he does eventually leave which again I don't really even want to think about it's going to be like half of my heart is going to be slaughtered and I don't want to have anything to do with that just yet I think we need to enjoy what he's doing and we need to be behind him every step of the way obviously the God Save the King um, pancarta, the, the, the banner that was in the stadium, that was great. I still believe that Barca should be considered more of a team than just a one-trick pony with Messi sort of leading. But then again, you need to recognize this guy's superiority, not just to his teammates, but to every other player to ever play the game. And we are very lucky and may it last forever, although you obviously cannot. Yeah, I think we have had very rare, but a little bit of criticism in the past for you and I about really is about this is a podcast, the Barcelona podcast, and we're just hero worshippers to Messi. But where I would slightly disagree with that is to say that his performances speak for themselves. And we are in the moment, again, recognizing the things that he's doing on the field. 
And I do want to break that down a little bit more to say what he's actually doing and not just give this broad disclaimer that he's the greatest ever, but but never give any detail to it. I think this season, it's not just us saying it. In the Champions League, and we'll stick to just Champions League and not even what he's doing in the Liga, though I am going to reference a few of those matches to, you know, to encompass the entire season. But in eight Champions League matches this year, six starts and two substitute appearances in the ones that, again, were pretty much already decided. In those six starts, six goals, two assists, five men of the match performances in six starts. Again, that's not us. That's not Kool-Aid's. That's what Champions League, that's what UEFA has decided. And much like Ronaldo, and actually the Liga Weekly guys got into this as well, where Messi has changed his game. He has moved throughout the years and excelled and changed the way he is on the field in his positioning, in the role that he plays even, where, of course, when he was a young man playing with Ronaldinho, he used his speed out on the wing, and that's where he began to get his goal-scoring touch. And then, particularly around the 2011 season, we saw, again, at the pinnacle when he scored the most goals in a calendar year, where he was a pure goal scorer, where he was either coming in on the right wing, or he would basically just be up top, and he would... If his if his teammates weren't able to get him possession and teams really bunkered in, that's where we saw some of the great, frustrating matches where, again, around the world, particularly Marca and AS, were just screaming for Messi dependency. And now he drops a little bit deeper. He's in the middle of the field a lot more. And in that 4-4-2, the formation has changed, and therefore Messi's role has changed as well. And as he's moved into more and more of a leadership role, you know, we credit the way that Dembele excelled against Chelsea, again, having what you call his breakout performance, where he's getting all this criticism. And you do credit Messi with a lot of that because of how Messi set the table for him in those ways. And I have to say that I was wrong about Dembele starting and Valverde was right. He, It's what we all wanted and what we said should have happened. And yet I was wrong. And I was wrong about the Camp New fans not supporting Andre Gomez. Again, I just want to be you know clear about those things. I was wrong on those things. People can be wrong. Um, and the ovation for Gomez, not only was that wonderful to see, and I'm happy it happened, but I can say that Dembele, for me, looked like the player that he looked like at Dortmund. And part of that reasoning was looking at Messi's performance against Chelsea, it wasn't that he was, again, far superior or, or physically dominating them. It was that the smallest margins went Messi's way. And you look at that first goal, just breaking it down, is that that small little toe poke he took against Aspilicueta, who had positioning on Messi, who would have shut down so many other players in the world. But by the smallest margins of inches, he toe pokes it around Aspilicueta, and then that opens things up completely. And then Luis Suarez, who has to take a lot of this credit as well, makes that nice run off the ball, going towards the near post, takes some defenders with him, and then that wide open space, that is a squared ball that Messi has made hundreds and thousands of times before to Dembele, where Dembele can get his first goal. And so it was all started by that small inch of a toe poke against Aspilicueta. And I think to me, that's always what sums up Messi in his earlier years and even now when he's really on his form, is that he he is able to get to those balls just a millisecond before the defender. And even on his third goal, where he just toe pokes it or gets it around the defense at the last second and finds that acute angle. And even on his first goal, the acute angle from which he shoots at, yes, it's a little bit of luck that it goes through Courtois' legs, but it seems like when Messi does that, there's a magic in the ball and it goes through the legs of a goalkeeper when, again, you could probably discredit the Chelsea defense as much as you could compliment Messi on those performances. And it was a magical performance, as you are describing. I think 
I want to go sort of beyond the one game because um, you obviously explained that really well. It is clear that Messi wants to win the Champions League this season. It is clear that every single year he gets better. Um, we've been saying for many years, and you've made reference to that, the fact that he's been adapted. When Neymar joined, he adapted to that. Um, he was uh, false nine, then he moved to the side in order to accommodate different people. And he's now more of a playmaker, but someone who can zoom forward as well. It really is beyond words what Messi is achieving. His form is incredible. He, the older he gets, the fit as he seems to be. He's not suffering injuries, you know, fingers crossed while I'm saying this, obviously. He's not suffering injuries as regularly as he has done in the past. His diet and all, all of the professionalism around him has generated that. Um, now he's capable of influencing the whole game. He obviously is always going to be regarded as a fantastic goal scorer. That is his main skill. That is something that he's what in a way is that why he's so popular around the world and why fans of Barca love him. He also creates goals for others. He's always looking for the open man. The, the game against Chelsea with Dembélé was a clear example that there's been countless examples this season and throughout the years. He, in a way, he enjoys scoring himself by making other people more important, allowing them to step up, allowing them to be who they want to be and, and reach their full potential. Uh, there are and Neymar is a clear example. Coutinho hopefully is going to be an example as well, as well as Dembélé. He makes teammates around him better. Suarez at Liverpool was a fantastic player and he was the leader. He came into Barcelona and he became even better because Messi was alongside him. He understands that his influence is the key in order to move his team forward. He obviously is not going to be not wanting to win Ballon d'Ors. I mean, that is something that from an individual point of view gives you some prestige but he's won so many of them already that that is not his aim and to be honest he never has been it's all been about the collective it's all been about Champions League and La Liga particularly but every single trophy that is within reach he really does want to win it and I really can't say it enough Messi this season is on fire arguably he's a better player today than he was in the 91 goals year which I believe was 2012 and because of his decisive effort to empower people around him to be the best they, could, they can be. And as Vasa fans, we have to count our lucky stars that this incredible guy is in our team. I, I like that uh, Adil, or Barca 19 Stats, who's come on as an, an interview as well, he tweeted after that Dembele goal that Barca had conceded just two goals in 650 minutes this Champions League season. And that Chelsea, obviously, at that point needed two-plus goals in 65 minutes. So it means that while Messi is the one who puts the game away with his goals, Barca's defense is where the success is being had this year. And that goes back to our question that, you know, Messi's going to be that guy that's going to have to take this team to that Champions League trophy. But I, I you get the feeling that it's not Messi dependence because of how good the defense has been. But also, Luis Suarez, who hasn't scored in the Champions League in an entire year— you say, does that actually even matter? And the answer is no, that Luis Suarez is being unselfish. He's getting into the right spaces to allow Messi to fully thrive in the way he's doing it. And I think for those who, again, this isn't about you and I trying to argue that Messi is better than Ronaldo or whatever, because you know I, I saw right afterwards too that you can't mention Messi without Ronaldo. And the reason is that Ronaldo is one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. He's one of the greatest players of all time. And he's also adapting his game at Real Madrid to be different, and he's been getting some big goals for them recently, and now he's on top form as well. 
But for me, again, why I tell everyone who doesn't watch Messi or people who only watch the Premier League to tune in and watch Messi, it's because I would say now at the age of 30, there are games that, yes, physically he is seemingly as fit as ever, but there are games that, you know, he may not be up to it. If it's on the road, it was a long flight, and they're having trouble breaking down. Again, that Hatafe game always comes to mind this season, where Hatafe were just perfectly set up, very disciplined defensively, had everybody in the box, had, had no care in the world of scoring a goal of their own. They really just were preventing Barcelona. And Messi just didn't have that special Messi magic that day. And there are games that he isn't up to it. But then I think back in La Liga this year to that dismantling of Celtic in Galatia for about, was it, 20 minutes where Messi was just other, I mean, otherworldly. He just, he knows exactly what he needs to do. And there are moments when he has an extra, extra, extra level. And that's where you and I really do say that it's hard to comprehend what he's doing because he gets in this mood where, or more recently against Girona, where all of a sudden that game seemed to be where Girona, again, a top seven team in the Liga, is playing well, and then Messi just takes it to an extra level, and it, it that praise is justified, where even against Atletico, where things in open play weren't working out, and yet Messi has a free kick, and he seems to be able to take his game to the level it needs to be, where if things aren't working just with possession and trying to break down a defense— if they get a foul in the proper position, that's where Messi shines. And so to me, it's all-encompassing, all the things that he does for the attack for Barcelona. And as I said, when he is on his game and he's got that special little bit of magic, it's not just his goal scoring. It's his passing. It's his dribbling. It's the fact that when he dips that shoulder, you have defenders, world-class defenders, former teammates, guys who know his game better than anyone else are still biting. Because again, the the low center of gravity he has, the way he deceives opponents, the way he fools opponents with both his feet, with his shoulders, with his head, he knows the tricks. And at the age of 30, we are now seeing a complete 30-year-old experienced Messi. And, and as you say, yes, we know that in the moment, it's going to be a future time when he's no longer going to be here and we're going to pine for the days when Messi was here. But as I said, I, I feel like I'm always exasperatingly having to defend the fact that we're complimenting Messi and trying to recognize what he is without just sounding like biased Barcelona lovers. You know, I, I think there, there's just a contradiction there. I think if you're not able to love Messi for what he is, you don't love football. And it's very clear. It doesn't matter what team you support. What Messi is doing is otherworldly. It doesn't matter whether your teacher is blaugrana or white. It makes no difference whatsoever. Messi has matured into one of the best players ever. And I have to, I, you know, we've talked about him for a while. Just want to say one little tiny thing at the end. I want to um, I want to basically say kudos to Valverde for being able to adapt Messi to his tactics and adapt his tactics to Messi. It's not always easy for a coach to come into a club of the caliber of Barca, you know, worldwide following, etc. and convince the most influential player in the club's history to adapt his game in order to benefit the collective. Messi's ability to adapt to the coach's idea is to be admired. And I cannot say it enough, Messi's maturity is what is making the difference this season, paired up, of course, with his otherworldly skill and endless ability to make everything better. I really think that the fact that the team, the manager, the fans... And, you know, it's not euphoria because, you know, we went 
incredible against Chelsea. We were good enough to beat them and to beat them convincingly. Uh, there were transitions in the games in which we were defending. And to be honest, that didn't make me panic at all because I now trust our defence to be able to do that. But I think that ability to transition, that ability to read the game, uh, that ambition that the, the players have, that connection, symbioism, uh, as Iniesta called it after the game yesterday, with the crowd and the fans is going to make Barca very successful this season. And beyond all that, when games become really tight, when you get to the 170th minute in a tie, then you've got Messi who can and most definitely and most of the time will make the difference to make Barca victorious. So the answer to the question, will Messi take Barca to Champions League glory? I don't have a crystal ball, but I think we've got every possibility of winning not just the Champions League, but the treble this season. And when we do that, or if we do that, it will be thanks to Messi and the team behind them. Yeah, so we get to a point where we can't really truly answer La Gran Pagunta. Will, Be- will Messi lead Barcelona to Champions League glory? The answer is that if Barcelona do lift that trophy, as we've been saying over and over and over again, it's going to be in the back of Messi and as we've kind of flushed out, too, on the back of that defense. But you guys are going to talk a little bit more about the rest of the team, not just Messi, now in La Ronda, where you're joined by Deanna Christine. That was our big guest returning. So, Frances, take it away. Okay, thank you, Dan. Um, I am delighted to say that the fantastic Deanna Christine is with us again today. Um, obviously, not a first time. She's been on the podcast before, and it was an excellent hit with all of our listeners so, Diana, welcome back. Thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for having me back. It's a, a pleasure to talk to you anytime. Of course, the pleasure is all ours. Um, we've got La Ronda de Preguntas, as you know, and we've got a lot of questions from our listeners. We want to say thank you to everyone who sent a question. And here we go. Carlos asks, should Dembele become an automatic starter for Barca after his performance against Chelsea? Diana, what do you think? I don't know. I think um, he's always been, I mean, the point of buying him was for him to be in the starting 11. That's why you pay more than 100 million for a player. But uh, his integration has been slow because of his injuries and everything. And even yesterday, I mean, yesterday, the point of the lineup was to take more risks so that we could score and not gamble with the result and struggle with it. Yesterday, it was a very brave decision from Valverde to play him. And it kind of showed in the fact that we had less control than usual when we play with like Andre Gomes or Paulinho, because it's he's a different kind of player and he doesn't uh, provide that same amount of balance that a player who doesn't take as many chances would. But... He is very important in terms of our offensive productivity because he can unbalance teams. So I think that in time he will become a starter. I'm not sure it's going to be tomorrow. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think what he added to the team against Chelsea was that dynamism, that ability to run at defenders. Um, And I think the game that Valverde had drawn up changed completely when Messi scored the goal. Obviously, we're very grateful for it, but he scored the goal so early because I think Valverde, in his mind, had Chelsea sort of holding back for a good 60 to 70 minutes at least and then Bele having to break that down. But um, I am delighted. I was very impressed with his defensive capabilities as well. I mean, there was a 
fantastic tackle in which he became umtiti for a second and um, he was superb at both ends of the pitch um so what do you make of dembele so far diana i think that uh i was never you know apart from the fans who were worried about him not uh, being integrated and not playing well but i was never never actually worried because i always thought it was a thing that was going to take time and he's still very young I like, uh, I recently read some quotes from an interview he did with a French magazine, and I like that he sounded very mature and very aware of his flaws and his areas that uh, need improvement. And the defensive aspect of his game was one thing he actually mentioned. And uh, I'm sure he doesn't enjoy doing it. I mean, every attacking player basically does it just because they have to. But he was very good yesterday, and he managed to help out uh, Sergio Roberto on the wing there. So, yeah, I think that uh, he is improving and that this season is basically one that I don't... Everything that he gives us is a bonus at this point because of his injuries and because of the fact that he's still in a transitional period. For sure. Samino on Twitter asks... Can we please, actually, this is not really a question. He just goes, please talk to the fans to respect Andre Gomez. He's our player and he's dedicated. We should respect him. Um, we talked about it in the pod last, in the one earlier this week. Uh, but I want to get sort of pick your brains with this, Diana. What do you think about the whole Andre Gomez situation and his interview with Revista Panenka? I think that it was a very brave thing to do because talking about mental issues is never easy. And especially when you're in the spotlight and people will say, well, what do I care about your problems? I have my own problems and I don't make millions of euros a year. So it's very brave of him that he came out and that he talked openly about it because uh, it often the, the point where you are able to talk about it is the point where you are able to face your demons and actually beat them. Because up to that point, you're just hiding away from them and trying to avoid it, but you can't avoid it. So I hope that this will be a turning point for him, if not at Barca, because I'm still not sure he's going to make it regardless of this. But in his relationship with the fans and in, his, in the future of his career, that was precisely my thought as well. I mean, I'm all for supporting him and I do agree he was really brave and I really wanted to sort of get behind him. And to be honest, I've been doing this for a year and a half, but when he came on against Chelsea, he really wasn't that great. You know, I don't think he was terrible, but what he added in terms of defensive and, and, and even attacking, um, it wasn't that great. Would you agree with that, Diana? I thought... But he did okay. I mean, the the thing is that it matters a lot what you compare him to. I mean, he replaced Busquets, so that's obviously mission impossible from the start. But um, I thought he did okay. He he seemed a bit free, uh, a bit more free than he usually is, and uh, his pressing led to the. Chelsea mistake that uh, gave Jordi Alba the ball and led to Messi's second goal. Okay, well, that, I like your positivism there. That's, that's really good. We're going to need it for this question. Jose Moratalla, who obviously came on the show last week, 
Asparov, Peña, Barcelona of Los Angeles, ask us, can we please start a petition to get it all signed and send it to Andres Iniesta to ask him not to leave? Now, this with, let's give it a bit of context. After the game against Chelsea, Iniesta came on record and said, I will make a decision to stay at Barcelona or go to China before April the 30th. I have to assess what is best for me and it will be the most honest for me and for the club. To me, that sounds like a farewell in sort of in the writing waiting to happen. Is that how you see it, Diana? Well, first of all, he didn't actually say the word China. He just said, if I'll stay or if I'll go. And that's basically the term, the terms of his contract that he signed in the, in the fall. It said that he has the right to decide in every season whether he stays for another year or not. That's entirely his decision. The club trusted him to make the right call with that. So up until April 30th, he has to tell the club what his plans are so that the club can know what to do. So this isn't actually a surprise or anything, just the fact that he said it publicly. Now, in terms of him leaving, I think that it's actually a decent possibility because they're offering him both loads of cash, obviously, and he might feel that he doesn't want to be on the bench and he would be next season, definitely, because he would already be 34. And we shouldn't forget that even Xavi said that for him, for his ego, I mean, they don't have huge egos, but they still have an ego of a player that was at that huge dimension and had that important role and for them to accept being on the bench and just coming on for like 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever, that's a huge step down and it's an adjustment. I don't know if Iniesta is willing to do that. I would be obviously very glad if he did, but I would understand if he decided to go. Of course. I think the experience with Xavi, the fact that when Xavi left, he... It's not that he wasted the last season, but as you're sort of implying with what you're saying, he was not a key protagonist. And I don't think Iniesta, based on, and I heard the whole interview yesterday, I don't think that's what he envisions his role to be. And um, I totally agree. He wants to play. He's a footballer, you know, he's a very unselfish man. But then at the end of the day, he's a world-class player and he basically wants to do what he's better at. Um, I want to sort of pick your brains on this as well. When Xavi left, he because of um, his age and because of his influence in the team having been diminished, it did hurt us, but it wasn't the end of the world given his performance in the last season. You could say similarly about Puyol because he was suffering from injuries for the last, I would say, 18 months before he actually accepted, you know what, I really can't do this anymore. But Iniesta, like before the Chelsea game, everyone was sort of praying that he would make a miraculous comeback and help the team because... Barca is a different team with or without Iniesta and I don't know if we can afford to lose him. What, what do you think? I think that the fact that this team relies on a 34, on a soon-to-be 34-year-old Iniesta basically talks about the bad job the club did planning this squad. But that's a point for another day. <laughs> the mm. thing is that he, he is still important for the team and I think that maybe, I don't know, next season, I mean, 
the idea of him leaving would be because next season Coutinho would be the starter for that spot or another midfielder that we buy and he would no longer be the starter. Yes. So in in theory, it shouldn't hurt us as much if we make this transition. But my ideal would be that this transition would happen while he was still here. Another year for Coutinho playing with him and training with him and learning from him or for any other midfielder could be great. So I don't know. I hope that, I mean, it will obviously never be the same. It, it hasn't been the same since Xavi left and it won't be the same after Iniesta does. But I don't know. The team adjusts, I guess. I'm actually crossing my fingers, so you're right. And Iniesta actually stays with us for another season. I've got a question about English football, so I'm going to pose it to you. Kevin De La Rosa asked, which English player would you like to see play for Barca? And he goes on to say, my choices would be Wilshire or Deli Ali. What are your choices? Uh, that's actually tricky. Uh, I think that Dele Alli could be a decent option, although I wouldn't be sure where he would play because he generally plays in like that 10 spot or in the areas that Messi generally occupies. So that would be more complicated. So, but I guess he could adapt. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I think Sterling could be a good choice. You know, a tricky winger who also who can also score. I think that he's grown a lot under Pep. He was already great at Liverpool, and I was sure that Pep was going to make him great. But, um, yeah, I think that Sterling could be a good option. Of course, he's, he won't leave City because City have no reason to sell, but, you know. Absolutely. Why would you want to lose um, the opportunity to work with Guardiola for longer? I think it would be crazy. Um, I've gone along the same lines. I've got Kai Walker. I mean, he's been tremendous this season. He obviously is going to be starting for England unless he gets injured. Obviously, in Russia this summer, he's been instrumental for Manchester City. 7.2 who scored rating, 6 goal assists despite obviously being a right back. And 8.28 Premier League appearances. Regular starter, has played for Guardiola. I think that we could do with a right back that can start every game so we can free Roberto to go into midfield. Um, But that's just my two cents with that. Um, Diana, last question. I've got a question from Othman, and it goes back to an old friend of the pod that we talked about for, I would say, ever during the summer. He says, should Barcelona consider Verratti this summer, with rumors of Iniesta leaving and revamp the midfield with a roster composed of Busquets, Rakitic, Verratti, Arthur, Gomez, Alanya, and Paulinho? And then he goes on to say, and then abandon the Griezmann option once and for all. I know that's a lot to, to sort of taking once, but what are your thoughts on that, Diana? Uh, I've always thought that Verratti is a great player. I don't think he will actually ever be allowed to leave PSG, so this has become repetitive and exhausting and kind of boring for me as a possibility because I genuinely can't see it happening. Uh, do, so, you, do you see Neymar leaving then? Because it's pretty much the same situation and not, not necessarily coming back to us, but um, obviously Madrid are going to be peering over the window and trying to sort of attract Neymar to the Bernabeu. Um, do you think he would be allowed to leave? Would you allow him to leave? You have to understand that PSG didn't just buy Neymar for the football. They also bought him for 
promotion for the World Cup. So until the World Cup happens, I doubt he'll be able to leave. And I'm sure they'll shower him and his dad in enough money so that they will be okay with it. I don't know. I, I genuinely think that they might have thought that they could fool PSG just like they fooled Barca. But I don't see how that that will happen because they're not stupid. They probably didn't put a small release clause on him and he's already he he's 26 he's gonna be 27 it's gonna be you know like how much money can you spend on him and pay him and make it up within the time he has left to play it becomes economically unviable yeah and you have to also consider he may change his mind after a year and try to go somewhere else so i think he's a very dangerous option for any team who wants to spend that sort of money um diana thank you for coming on the show again um where can our listeners follow your work on twitter as usual if i eventually write something it will be i will post it there too and um yeah i hope i have more time to be on twitter because i recently got a new job and it's been taking up a lot of my time but uh, yeah on Twitter. Well, thank you very much. Talk to you soon, hopefully. So as you and Deanna summed up in La Ronda as well, and we talked about La Grande Pregunta, Frances, all to play for left, all three competitions still wide open. And of course, Barcelona have Messi, as coaches and managers have said this season, and their teams don't. And that's a big difference going forward through the rest of this season and hopefully in the next few years as well. Well, that'll wrap up another edition of the Barcelona Podcast, episode number 70. Thanks again for listening as we bring you the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon, and Forza Barca. Forza! You're a small business, you work hard, but you don't have a huge marketing budget and you're always looking for new ways to find customers. Have you ever thought about audio? You're listening to an ad right now, aren't you? Introducing AudioGo, a new online platform that lets you run ads on the top podcast and digital radio stations. Don't have a radio ad? We'll make one for you. Sign up for free today at audiogo.com. AudioGo, audio advertising made simple. Is your cell phone bill out of control? Then this is your wake-up call. The new TrackPhone Wireless gives you unlimited talk and text starting at $20 a month, no contract, plus unlimited carryover data with active service. Yep, the new TrackPhone Wireless. Now you're in control. See terms and conditions at trackphone.com. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.